Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. from WWE and you are listening to FXE Live. You are damn skippy you're listening to FXE Live. Welcome everybody. It is back. Let's kick this off the edition. You got it. Jester here kicking FXE Live back off again. Here we are. Bigger, better than ever. We've got so much planned for you. Not just tonight. But in these coming shows, it is going to be the show you are going to want to tell your friends about if they don't already know. We'll be talking WWE, AEW, FXE, wrestling. We're going to bring in our new co-host. That's right, a new co-host, Brian Reznor, for the first time on FXE Live. We're excited to have him. He is going to be our resident expert. Yes, that's right. He is going to be our regular, our resident expert on everything. WWE, AEW, I can't wait. We'll be bringing him in here in a minute. Listen, gang, if you've never tuned in to a Fantasy Jester podcast before, it is time for you to find out why. Uh, You know, I have to say it. I'm sorry, haters. 2017 voted Florida's best podcaster of the year. So I, something along those titles. I, I don't mention. I know I'm fantastic. There's no I'm fantastic. That's all I care about. The awards and all that. It doesn't matter. All I know is I'm not some dumb hick sitting on his porch doing a Facebook live, spitting all over himself. Okay, looking like a fool. Uh, we have. Some great things planned for you tonight. See, I, I can talk about the future. Why don't let's just get right into it? Let's talk about tonight. Tonight, like I said, WWE, 
I've got some questions for Brian. AEW, I've got some. I've got a big question as far as AEW, and then we've got the interview. If you've caught the trailer for it, you get the idea that Larry Zabisco is the guest tonight. It is a an interview I recorded a couple of years ago, and when they say unfiltered, this is this is the interview that they that they came up that with that name for. Uh, he really holds nothing back. Uh, I will tell you now, you might want to have the, the little ears in the family go play in another room. He does drop a couple of words that, you know, might not want to be heard by the little ones. So when we play that interview, you might want to shoo them off and enjoy because you will not believe who he shoots on in that and then, obviously, we're going to be talking FXE. You know, we're here, Blog Talk Radio. Thank you so much for having us back. But you can also find us on Google Play, iTunes, and once this is released, Spreaker, Blueberry, Buzzsprout, Libsyn, Podbean, and Simple Cast, all great platforms. This way you can catch the show wherever you normally listen to your podcast. Let's not even waste another minute. Get him in here. Brian Reznor, welcome to FXE Live. Man, I am so glad to be here. It's uh, it's amazing. When I seen the first paycheck come, I realized that I needed to, to definitely uh, do this a lot sooner. I don't know why you didn't take over the Royal Ramble a long time ago. You know, listen, uh, it was a, it, it's something that just popped up. I, I like the idea. Uh, I didn't want to. You know, it, it's difficult, Brian, when you're coming into a new area like West Virginia. It, it's already difficult if you're a Florida guy coming up there. You're already going to ruffle some feathers. Then if you start taking their podcasts and, and webcasts and all that, you're really going to hurt some feelings. But when I found out, the only feelings I was really going to hurt was cubby holes. I didn't care. Let's be honest. <laughs> well, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad to be a part of the FXE team, and I'm I'm really excited to see where this goes. Yeah, you know what? And thank you so much for that. And we are so glad, folks. If you don't know Brian Reznor, sit back, and I'm gonna you're gonna be pleasantly surprised. A man that knows and loves his wrestling. You will enjoy not just this show, but the shows to come and the tidbits he's going to throw out there. Brian, let's get right into it. Let's not waste any time. Let's start off with uh, let's start off with Raw. Let's start off with okay. the Randy Orton bit. Uh, are you into this? Uh, what's going on or no? Well, I'll tell you exactly how I feel about it. Like, first of all, I knew that the Ric Flair turn was coming. I knew that he was going to eventually use Ric Flair for the sympathy push. And, and then he did it last night. I, I was expecting an RKO, but then I, I realized, you know, Rick probably can't take an RKO right now. Probably the reason why they cut the lights off for the head kick. But either way, it was a, it was a great moment, and it was a great heel turn, and it really adds to Randy's fire. Uh, and, and when you say, you know, where's this thing going? Uh, when someone asks me where is it going, I think it's going to 14, possibly even 15 world titles. For uh, for Randy Orton, 
that's that, that's the path they're going. And I really like it for so long. I was like totally not into Randy Orton anymore. Like he was boring to me. Now it's all revived. Everything that I've ever liked about Randy Orton is back and revived. And, and I'm really excited to see where it's going. All right. So folks, Brian starts off one and oh with me. I, 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 and that, you know, this is, this is, I'm going to call it as I see it, everybody. Don't think because he's the co-host, I'm always going to agree. But on this one here, I have to, especially the part where you talked about Randy got a little stale there for a while. He did. And, and now all of a sudden a little bit, a, a, a bigger interest. And it should be very good talent. Uh, how do you feel about him uh, real quick, just from a talent level standpoint? I mean, from a talent level standpoint, he is the blueprint of exactly what a professional wrestler is supposed to be. I'm not trying to drop a Matt Morgan reference there, but the real blueprint of what a wrestler is supposed to be is Randy Orton. I mean, he's a third generation superstar and his movements are absolutely fluid. This guy, we are looking at the greatest professional wrestler that's still wrestling today. And I think that's, uh, that says something for, for how I feel about him as a talent. I'm going to vomit as I say this in my mouth here, but I have to, cause it really, it, yeah, I'm going to, God, I'm going to be sick. But that six tool product, Anthony Katina reminds me of him. He really does. Really? Yeah, yeah, it really makes me sick uh, to say that. But hey, listen, I got that. Katina is a whole nother discussion. Uh, maybe you know what? Maybe next week we'll dive into that. But let's continue going with the WWE. Let's go with the Underground. What's good? Okay. What's bad? Do you like it? I don't know yet. I really don't know if I like it or not. I think it's kind of cool that they're doing something different because that's what they need to do in this pandemic situation to keep a crowd and to keep these people interested. So that, I mean, when I say keep a crowd, I mean, to keep, keep a crowd watching at home, you know, mm-hmm. the, the ratings are going down and you got to do something different. And I, I applaud them for looking outside of the box for that difference. But on the other hand, it's kind of silly. And I do like that they eliminated the strippers this week. Uh, last week they had uh, they had strippers and fighting, and it just mm-hmm. felt too much like the '90s. And I, I don't think you can do the stripper thing anymore. I don't, I don't think that's a thing now in in the 2020 world. So they got rid of the strippers. That was cool. Uh, then they pull in. A, a, there's a lot of no name talent that kind of it kind of agitates me to not know who the people that are fighting are in certain situations, but, uh, but I haven't made a judgment call on whether I think it's a good idea or a bad idea yet. Let me ask you something, Brian, is this a place maybe in the underground where they start doing color? I think that they have to, to make it work. And I think that's where the line will be drawn. That kind of really screws it up because they're not going to be able to do, I mean, I mean, obviously they don't want to, uh, to do much color now anyway, but with something like that, when you're doing like an underground fight club type of situation, you kind of need some blood. And, and I don't really understand what the big deal is. We've seen blood for years, and there's blood in every movie that every kid sees. I mean, it, I mean not every movie, but, but you know what I'm saying. The, the point is, I don't understand why it's a big deal, but obviously it is, or we would see blood where, where it needs to be. 
Yeah, I don't understand this from this standpoint. If you go ahead and you've got Raw and SmackDown and you're keeping that happy for your television sponsors and all that stuff, yeah, why wouldn't you go with some color in the underground? It's gotta, there's got to be something that separates it from, from the rest of the shows, you know? Well, and, I think and that I, what you're talking about, it would have to be completely separate and not just a feature of raw it would have to be its own show for mm-hmm. you to escape that that fencing from the uh from the sponsors correct correct now let's go let's go over to smackdown you know i i see something interesting and i'm going to skip uh to the, my second question here first uh, uh because it, it bugs me I happen to like The Miz. Uh, I think his character, I like his in-ring work, I like his mic skills, okay? Uh, Tag team, John Morris, what's your thoughts about having The Miz in a tag team instead of as a single? Well, here's a question I have for you before I answer that is, how Mm -hmm. familiar were you with The Miz and Morrison tag team in the beginning? Like, but like years ago, how familiar were you with that tag team? Not very, not very. Well, then that's the problem. That's why you don't okay. see the the magic that is Miz and Morrison. And I'll, t- I'll tell you a few reasons why Miz and Morrison should be in a tag team, even though what they're doing is not necessarily entertaining and they're almost pushing the pull. But um, I believe that, first of all, Miz wouldn't be anything if it wasn't for John Morrison, John Morrison wow. made the Miz better than he was. Cause if you remember the Miz was coming out, nobody really knew why everybody was like, that's the guy from road rules. And he'd go out there and mm-hmm. be like, hoorah. And everybody'd be like, get the hell off of my TV. Nobody cared about the Miz. And I was one of those people who absolutely thought the Miz was nothing. And I wanted him off of my wrestling completely. I felt like I felt the same way about the Miz that I feel about Goldberg. It's just, you belong somewhere else. Go somewhere else. Get off my TV. And maybe even worse than Goldberg because he was so terrible. But then when he started tagging with Morrison, everything started to change. And then once Morrison was gone out of the picture, The Miz continued to take that fire and create what we know and love as The Miz now. Well, then you take fast forward to now, Miz is you know, arguably one of the most popular guys on the roster because his own show, his own spinoff show is doing better ratings than SmackDown and Raw. So really Miz is a super popular guy, but can you write Miz as the world champion? No, not in this landscape. Well, where else does he belong? You can't write him as a mid-card champion because he's too damn big. So what do you do? You put him in this tag team with John Morrison where he is happy. He's not complaining because he loves John Morrison. And he has all this time to do entertaining movie style stuff. So I feel like I feel like this is the way to make Miz happy. Keep Miz on the roster. Keep him away from the world title. And I just wish that they would get their, their comedic gigs together better so they weren't so corny. <laughs> you know, you, you touched on his show. How much of his show and, and, and the viewership is for Miz, and how much is for Maurice? Well, Maurice is 
a beautiful woman, but as a human being, she is not as interesting as tree bark. So I would say the same, the same reason that The Miz is having a great time with that show, you know, Cannonball is The Miz's creation, too, and Cannonball is kicking Raw's ass, too. Yeah, yeah. He's a, he's, he, I like him personally, uh, I guess maybe because he's also a fantasy football player uh, like myself, and uh, we've had the opportunity to talk once about that. It's, um, it's just uh, I'm not used to I guess maybe that's, that's the issue is, and, and for those of you out there that are, are wondering, I, I'm the promoter for FXE. Okay, I don't really watch a lot of other promotions. So for me, where, where you're talking about Miz and Morrison before, and that's not familiar to me, I just got so used to Miz on his own. But the more you talked about the idea of where do you put him on the landscape of today, that's what makes sense. That's that that brought it together for me more than you know. Go look at his old film with Morrison and all that. I, I think you hit the nail on the head, Brian, with the you know where would he fit in on the landscape if it wasn't for a tag team now? Right. If you're going by popularity, he's the world champion today. But would that make sense as far as the rest? I mean, is that what's best for the wrestling company? Might be what's best for Miz, and it might be you know the most popular decision maybe. But it's definitely not something that's realistic that you can do and still have believable players like Braun Strowman, Bray Wyatt, and even Drew McIntyre on the other show. You, you, you just can't put Miz on the same on the same playing field as them. You know, I, I got a question because, you know, we talk about Mrs. Mike's skills. Uh, let's go to the other end uh, of somebody that's on SmackDown that, to me, I don't understand. How does he not get more play? The Swiss Cyborg in Cesaro. Yeah. I, my belief is this. Extremely talented man. Get him a mic man. Get him a manager and get him a mic man. And I think that's what holds him back. Uh, how do you feel about Cesaro? I think Cesaro is incredible. And honestly, if he was mine to create, if I had the ability, like they were like, it's Cesaro, we don't know what to do with him. Do what you mm -hmm. think. I would push him for the world title. And I would push him for the world title in a way where I would take the gimmick, the, the whole aura, the myth, the legend of Bruno San Martino and write mm -hmm. it for 2020. With Cesaro. It's a big name there you just dropped. Well, I mean, Cesaro is an incredible performer. And I think that if anyone was going to have to play the role of a Bruno San Martino, that mm -hmm. Cesaro could totally pull it off flawlessly. Would you get him a manager? Would you get him a mic I believe I would. No? I believe I would. I believe, I believe a manager would do him really well. Um, you know, he, he doesn't uh, he doesn't have the best mic skills, but Bruno didn't have the best mic skills. I don't know if you've no. ever watched an old Bruno promo, no, but no, it was, yeah, like, I did. Terrible. I, I cut my teeth on Bruno San Martino, uh, superstar Big Graham, uh, a guy we're going to have on later, Larry Zabisco. That's that's the you're getting the era I uh, joined in at SD Jones, those kind of guys. Uh, 
just some <laughs> junkyard dog. Yeah, I could go down the list of, of back then. Uh, and so, like I said, for, for you to put Cesaro and San Martino in the same sentence, uh, that is, that, that's big. That's big. And Do you I disagree? think he is a big talent. Pardon me? Do you disagree? Do you think that, that he couldn't pull that off in 2020? I believe. Could he pull it off? Yes, he could. Will he be given that opportunity? No, yeah. because of the. And again, back then, you could get away with a guy or two, a couple guys here and there, not having the best mic skills. Nowadays, you, you got to have that because of all the little promos that they're asked to do and, and all that. Uh, I just see it as a different. Uh, as we were talking about landscape, that's not. Uh, I just. I, I really want to see that man with a manager, somebody I can speak because. To me, the talent level, you know, it's different when you see it on TV, everybody, than when you actually go see it in person. And in person, he's phenomenal. It's not just TV. It's not just an angle of a camera and all that uh, being friendly to the wrestler. He actually really kicks ass. Yeah, he sure does. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, you know what? <clears throat> We're going to ask you. I got one more question for you. Uh, I, I know you have to run, and next week you'll be you'll be on full show uh, with our guest, uh, and we'll surprise everybody with that later on. Um, I want to ask you about AEW, okay? okay. Uh, and you know, I keep hearing about uh, AEW is doing better than NXT, and that always upsets me because I don't understand putting the uh, a main roster against up-and-comers and saying that you've won. Would AEW be better suited to go to a Saturday night, maybe? In my opinion, absolutely not. And the reason being is because Saturday, unless, like, Saturday's great for live events. Saturday's great for big events. But Saturday's not good for something that you're supposed to come back and do every week because Saturdays are unpredictable for most people. So you're not going to get somebody like, for instance, Saturday, I probably would have to watch a recorded version of AEW, but it's Wednesday and I'm totally going to catch it at eight o'clock for sure all the way through. But if it was on Saturday, then, then it, you know, there's a lot of things at play there. You're not only competing with another wrestling show, you're competing with everything a Saturday night brings to the table, which isn't much during a pandemic, but it is a lot once this thing comes to an end and people are out doing things again. Then you're competing with everything. You're competing with the movies. You're competing with another wrestling show that may happen that night, uh, you know, that's live in their town. There's just so many things you can compete with on a Saturday I, I wouldn't do it. Honestly, I would actually – I really like the NXT AEW war. I always watch NXT on record because mm-hmm. I, I just I pick AEW over NXT, not because not because I like it more because I love both of them. I absolutely love both of them. But I love the fact that they're going head-to-head because of that remembrance that you get, the feeling that you get. when, And even though it's really light – 
It's a really light feeling, but it's kind of the same taste as the Monday Night Wars. And that is from anybody from the 90s. That's what we want. That's We want that type of feeling in wrestling where every single Monday night you sit by the TV not knowing what the hell was going to happen on either show and knowing you were just going to be blown away. That's what we want. And that is a small taste of it. And not even a smidgen, but just enough to taste it. Is NXT, real quick, is NXT blowing you away, though? NXT's not blowing me away. It has blown me away. It's blown me away in the past since it's became a mainstream every Wednesday night show. No, it hasn't really blown me away. But it has been steady good. AEW has been steady good. AEW doesn't always blow me away. You know, sometimes right. it's, uh, you know, sometimes it's, it's, sometimes it's really good. Sometimes it's not. I mean, sometimes it's mediocre. It's very rarely that AEW or NXT are bad. Like Raw and SmackDown, they get so bad. You're like, why the hell am I watching this? Like when you, yeah. when you're watching a wrestling show and you ask yourself why you're watching it and you're a huge wrestling fan like me, that's when something is wrong. But as far as NXT and AEW, there's never a time when I'm like, why am I watching this? I know why I'm watching those programs. It's because they're awesome. Great stuff, Brian Reznor. Thank you so much. First show did, did good. We're going to hit you with more next week, though. We gave you, we gave you Wrestling 101 this week to break you in, but get ready for next week. I've got some hard-hitting questions next week. I'm ready for you, man. I'll uh, talk to you next week. Thanks for All bringing right, me on to this. You got it. You got it. Everybody, that is Brian Reznor. Thank you so much, Brian. Fantastic job. As we move along, listen, we've got to keep it going. We have 16 minutes of what was a one-hour interview with Larry the Legend, Larry Zabisco, and then we'll talk about FXE before we wrap it up. Enjoy this little snippet from Larry Zabisco. Think of if I had the opportunity to wrestle my idol or be inducted into the Hall of Fame by my idol, which one was better for you, wrestling your idol or being inducted? Oh, you know what? They they were both a magic moment. Yeah. And I'll tell you a funny story because the uh, silly Hall of Fame thing, I, I went out with one thing on my mind, and I didn't write nothing down. And then after a couple minutes, for the first time ever, I looked into the crowd, and they were, the whole front rows were people I knew my whole life, you know, Dusty and Gene and this and Arn and and I said, oh, so and so and so and so and so and so and so. And then I looked up, and I didn't remember a thing I said. I went into some, I couldn't remember what I said, and I went, what the hell did I just say? And the next thing I remember is I was walking off the stage, and Vince came running up and said, Larry, you were in the moment. That was great. And I had no <laughs> idea what the hell I said. I came from a different dimension. But then when I when I I, I listened to it back, I went, my God, I did say that. I did say that. And it, and it begins to the reality of if you get into the reality of life, which is a dream. And I tried to give the secret of life away during that talk. Kind of went over everybody's heads. But but <laughs> but, but but the dream I had and wanted it was just interesting with Bruno because. You know, when I crawled through his hedges that one day and he helped me into the business 
and we wound up pulling off the biggest angle of the day. I mean, you know, if we did that today and the emotions were like it was today with all the, you know, networks and pay-per-view, I mean, it would it would be enormously huge. But Bruno was the guy at the beginning of my career, you know, my dream that I wanted to be like my hero. And then when I walked down to the Hall of Fame, who was inducting me? Bruno. And it was it was like an official ending to the dream where I walked into this rabbit hole in his hedges and he helped me open the door into the wrestling world. We pulled off the biggest thing ever. But then when I was done with my dream, and then was Bruno again, kind of like at the end, this time holding the door open, and I walked out. And that I, is I told that story, but, but it's true. It was just weird. That is fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. You gave me chills on that one. Uh, well, that, yeah, I know. I mean, one, I mean the, 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 the things I said, you know, came from a different dimension and things I'm into, but I didn't remember a word I said, and even when I talked about the power of imagination, because that's, <laughs> the human animal is the only one with the unlimited power. We're all God. There's no such <laughs> thing as a sinner. It's all deception. <laughs> we, we all are. Uh, we, we're all our own prophets. Well, we're all a little piece of the whole. We're all, you know. Correct. There's no such thing. Yeah, Anyway, don't get me started. We'll have World War Three going by the time you get off no, the phone. Get, yeah, let's get busy, Jay. Yeah, let's get busy, Jay, on in here. I know he's chomping at the bit to be able to ask you a question. Busy, Jay, what do you have from good old Larry Zabisco joining us tonight? Larry, it's a pleasure speaking to you. You were always one of my favorite wrestlers growing up. And I well, remember thank, some of your classic. I remember some of your classic matches in AWA, NWA. WCW, you definitely, you're definitely truly a living legend, and thanks for blessing us with your time. Yeah, you know, back in those days, I mean, it, it was it's fun to think back of because uh, I was such a and uh, such an asshole, and it's one of the secrets I that I learned, you know, that was that was taught to me by guys like Bruno and Strongbow and. And not even in so much words, but just by watching. But when I watched the guys that got over and drew money, I realized one thing, that no matter what the character was, whether you were Bruno the strong guy or Chief J. Strongbow, who looked more like Cochise than Cochise did, even though he was Italian, (laughs) you know, people believe in your character. You know, forget the business. If they believe in you, you got it made. And what I did was... I was such an asshole that people believed it. They didn't care about the wrestling business. They just believed that in real life, this guy's an asshole. <laughs> and so that's why it was, you know, so easy to get heat. And I, I, I love that, you know, but, it, but uh, they believed it. And the funny bit is talking, you mentioned AJ Styles. When I was doing some TNA when they first came to Orlando here some years ago, or 10 years ago now, whatever it is, they were showing on ESPN Classics the AWA stuff. They were showing it like twice a day in the afternoon or something for like maybe a year or two. And all the guys who were growing up, AJ Styles and Chris Daniels and The Abyss and a couple others, James Storm and them, you know, that they were the young TNA guys starting they were too young to see me in my prime in the AWA days and some other places. 
And they would run up to me after watching the ESPN Classic reruns and AJ in them. They would look horrified. And they go, how could you do that? And I said, do what? And AJ in them, they, you, you, you were such an asshole. How could you do that on TV? And it, was, it was like, what's the job, dummy? <laughs> it's fun. There's no more good assholes. <laughs> yeah. It's true. It's true. Let me ask you, you know, before we get back to the panel, I, I want to ask you, you know, talking about the guys from the back, like you were talking about, Chief J. Strongbow, maybe a, uh, you know, Ivan Putsky, Peter Maivia, uh oh, these kind of guys back then. <laughs> there almost wasn't a rock. <laughs> <laughs> you know, these kind of guys here, um, back then, who was it that you enjoyed working in the ring with? They were just a good worker. They they handled their craft properly. They were professional in the ring. Oh, God. You know, I mean, if I've been asked that question a bunch, but, but back in those days, everybody was, a you know, a, a, a professional. And because <laughs> I was trained the way I was, and I, I hate to blow smoke up my butt, but, but I had an education that really no one else got because I was Bruno's protege and that carried, mm-hmm. which I didn't realize at the time because I was, you know, a kid, but that carried a lot of politics and, and mm-hmm. guys like Strongbow and Monsoon and a bunch of them, you know, all the, they would take me under their wing and teach me stuff and tell me stuff and be nice to me where they wouldn't do that to other young guys because they protected their jobs. But they would all come right. to me because it was getting points with Bruno. It was like Brian, because I was Bruno's guy. <laughs> if everybody was nice to me, but that's how powerful Bruno was, not just in terms of drawing money, but in terms of politics in the office. What Bruno said, Vince McMahon Sr. would do. Mm-hmm. End of story. But, uh, you know, so I had an education, you know, that really not a lot of guys had. I was just so good at what I what I did that even if the guy stunk, I could have the crowd going nuts. <laughs> so I had basically a good, easy time with, it, with everybody. It just depends how they were. If I worked with Bob Bath, then we could have a good wrestling match. You know, if I worked with one of the Valiant Brothers, you, know, you can forget that, you know, it was a different kind of match. But right, uh, you right. know, kind of it, it, it depended on the guy. You know, you'd have a different match. You know, if you wrestled Putsky, he had the strong man, you know, kind of match. So, but you know, so I I, I really kind of enjoyed you know working with everybody. I, I worked with you know guys like you know from Bach Winkles and Harleys and and then even the, the the last generation that you know had a clue it was the generation of like you know Shawn Michaels and Triple H and Kurt Henning and. Scott Hall and them because that generation had a chance to work with guys like me and Arn and Flair and the Dusty and you know the guys that knew but and then after that generation it kind of started going away. Let me uh, before I pass you off to JT, uh, let me just wrap that up with the difference between Vince Senior and Vince Mm. Junior. What do you see? What's the, what's the difference between working for the two? Well, I, I'm trying. Well, you know what? It's kind of 
interesting. At the bottom heart of both of them, they're both basically the same kind of guy. They're 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 a promoter's promoter. I mean, Vince, you know, Junior, you know, has got to be the greatest promoter ever. I mean, what he wound up with, you know, in the early '80s, the WWF, you know, to what it is today, it is outrageous. I mean, you know, his dad would be proud of him. And and Vince Senior was a very smooth character, like in the old movies. He'd always have like four or five quarters in his hand. He'd be jingling with the cashmere coat, and he was a real smooth operator. And uh, but he was kind of quiet tone, and he would keep his emotions low. The old man, like if some guy ran up to Vince Senior and said, "Hey, there was a good house, and Arnold only gave me a hundred dollars, and I should have made two hundred dollars." You know, then Vince Senior would say to the guy, "Oh, that damn Arnold!" Uh, and Vince would reach in his pocket and give the guy fifty bucks or a hundred bucks, and the guy would go, "Oh, mm-hmm. thanks, Vince. Well, you're a great guy." You know, Vince would go, oh, "Okay, yeah, take it easy. Good job, buddy." And then Vince would go into the office and say, "Hey, Arnold, fire that guy." You know, and then boom. <laughs> so, <clears throat> but then you know, because he didn't want any hassles, but that's how Vince would Senior would handle real smooth and. <laughs> And, and stuff, you know, where Vince, you know, his kid, he's a little more emotional, you know. And uh, and uh, Vince is a character. I mean, he's one of the boys. He's he's outrageous. And you can't help but love him if you're in the business. I mean, I, I, I just heard the other day the poor guy blew out his quad or something, squatting. Yeah. But he's squatting <laughs> 500 pounds. He's seventy years old. <laughs> That's, That's the kid, but you know, I mean, he's a he's that outrageous kind of guy. And in uh, you know, in terms of the wrestling business and what needed to be done to get it this huge in this world, yeah, he did. He was outrageous. There should be a statue of him next to Bruno and Andre someday. No, I heard that the other day. He's squatting with five hundred pounds. What is he thinking? But that's how he is. I mean, he's a, he's a you know, he's tenacious. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, Larry, you know what? JT again. I want to take you back 25 years. WCW, Wrestle War, 1991. You were in a four-on-four match with, you teamed with Barry Windham, one of my favorites, yourself, Ric Flair, and Sid Vicious, versus oh, Brian Pillman, versus Brian Pillman, the Steiner Brothers, and Sting. You know, there's a few Hall of Famers in there. What can you tell us about some of those guys and working with them? Well, <laughs> I'm trying to put – that's kind of the time in my life when I was starting to get ready to get out of the ring because the crew that was coming along, plus the politics of the day, you know, they were trying to get rid of the guys who were getting 40 years old and push new guys. Which ain't a bad idea. You got to, you know. You know that that's what they'll be doing now. You know, with the WWE and NXT, they're you know, making new stars. So, mm-hmm. yeah, but I remember that match because I, I remember Sid Vicious was so. T- was that in a cage or something? Uh, it was War Games. War Games match. Four on four. Was, was, I, think, uh, was, I think it was in a cage. It was. So cage. Yeah, match. I remember something about Sid Vicious tried to pick Pillman up. To do something, but the cage was low, and he when he picked him up, he ran Pillman's head into the top of the cage because <laughs> he was so because he was so damn tall. 
But yeah, I mean, it, it, it was a classic, you know, group of guys, and they're all insane. But, but at that time, I, mean, I was just keeping it low. Cause I, with the way the politics were going, I was getting ready to get out, and then I wanted to put a broadcast job that I never even planned on. That's another story. And when you were in that match, though, you look at someone like Sting, you know, did you, obviously already a polished guy at that point, but did you, did you know then by watching someone like Sting that he was just in for such a, such a huge career? No, I thought he was the luckiest man in the world. <laughs> Not just him. Wow. I mean, but the, well, I mean, nothing against Steve. He's a good guy. But unlike guys like me and Arn and Flair and some other guys, Sting came along at, at a time in a generation where the promotion and the guys went, went way overboard with the surrealistic look. And that's a nice way of saying is everybody was so steroided up and into bodybuilding that no one cared about being a worker. Sting didn't have a clue what he was doing in the ring. Lex Luger was the worst narcissist of all. He was more worried about his biceps than the business. All he did, you know, three clotheslines and a torture rack, and, you know, everything looked so bad because he didn't want to hurt his workout the next day. I mean, these guys were guys that they were a, a group that came in that, that didn't love the business. They were, you know, steroided up bodybuilders and not wrestlers. And for some reason, some company was giving them a lot of money for not knowing anything. The only reason guys like you know, Sting and the Steiners and Lex Luger and Sid Vicious and that generation made it was because they were working with me and Arn and Flair and some other guys that knew what the hell they were doing. I used to get in a match with you know and, and with Luger and say something, nothing, say something, nothing, say something, you know, tag out. And he'd get back in, I'd sting, sting would grab it, and I'd, I'd look at Alexa and say, you couldn't do that, you dumb shit. <laughs> I mean, they, didn't, they couldn't put their, they couldn't tie their boots. But they're making a lot of money and didn't know why, you know. And I'm thinking, going, these guys don't know how lucky they are. You know? That is great. I mean, Sting, I mean, you know, talk about a horrible interview. We had to we had to we had to dress him like the, the, the you know the Batman or whatever the other crow, drop him from the ceiling for a year, and not let him say a word to get one match out of him. <laughs> oh, sounds like he could have benefited from a Paul Heyman or something. Unbelievable stuff there, Larry just unloading on everybody, and to be able to hear that whole interview. Go back, Blog Talk Radio, it's in the archives, you can see it, Larry Zabisco, hear the whole interview, if you think that was good, that's just a piece. Go back, listen to it all. Everybody, it's been, I can't believe this, we've got a little over two minutes left, and it has been a phenomenal show, first out like this, very excited, Brian did a great job, you know, we're getting ready for everything FXE, and next week we'll be talking about that. We've got a guest. I'll be making the guest announcement probably Friday or Saturday. There's your little tease. Not going to tell you now. But, yes, uh, FXE, get ready. Everything that's coming. We've got some new talent. We've got a new building. The website, I'm fixing it. <laughs> um, pay-per-views. 
That's right. Pay-per-view. Find out. We're going to be talking about that. And because why are we going pay-per-view? Because we're going to be coming from everywhere. That's right. We're going to have a Florida show. We're going to have West Virginia. We're going to have New Jersey. We've talked about Albuquerque. We've talked everywhere because of this. See, we have a six-show storyline that's coming up, folks. You're not going to want to miss any part of these next six shows in five dates. We'll be talking about that next week because when we wrap up those six shows, it will be your opportunity, America, because FXE is going on tour. That's right, everybody, on tour. Don't forget, FXE was the company. We can pull up the episodes where we were looking into buying TNA at the time before it became Impact. This was something that we were planning to do one way or the other. So, again, we've got plenty more WWE next week. We've got AEW, Brian Reznor, FXE, and all that's going down. You don't want to miss it. Thanks so much for tuning in. I'll catch you next week. And we'll go to Bob Tewksbury for the outro. Hi, this is Bob Tewksbury, former Major League pitcher and author of 90% Mental, and you've been listening to Jester Fantasy, or Fantasy Jester, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yes. You could could use that. Can I? (laughs) I might. Yeah. It's all right with you. No, I think it'd be funny. With Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.